Hello and welcome to the brand new Hull City Council podcast. The podcast that brings you the latest council news and updates and exclusive interviews with local people. In today's episode, we'll be speaking with Jill Osgaby, the Programme Director of Hull Maritime, to talk a little bit about the project and what the future has in store for Yorkshire's maritime city. So thanks for tuning in and let's get straight into today's episode. Jill, thanks for joining us. Um, Would you like to start by sort of describing um, your role in in the Maritime Project? I think that's the best place to start. Yes, I'm the Programme Director for the whole Maritime Programme of Works. Um, So I have strategic oversight of the whole project. There's two elements of the project. There's the capital delivery, so there's the building work that everyone sees in terms of the scaffolding that's been up around the Maritime Museum, works at the North End Shipyard and on our two ships, the Arctic Corsair and Spur Night Ship. But there's also a whole programme of engagement, so um, volunteering, um, but also opportunities for the public to get involved in the project that we're delivering and really shouting about the story that we've got to tell in terms of Hull's maritime past. So I oversee both sides of the project and strategically look at how we can promote the project and make sure that people know what's happening and why and the really exciting elements of what we're delivering. I, I guess it'd be great to just take a look back and look back at when the, the project first started. What was the ideas and the initial concept behind starting this project? Was the, I, I imagine there was a lot of discussions before going ahead with it. It'd be great to get a, a bit of an insight into that, really. Yeah, I think really it was a, re- a massive team effort um, between the council and um, H. Calhoun Cultural and Leisure, who look after and um, manage the museum. And it was about understanding that really we weren't making the most of a really key element of Hull's past, which is its maritime links. Um, We as a project sort of said that the Hull itself had turned its back on the sea and had really focused on this sort of inwardly. And actually we weren't celebrating our coastal and maritime links. And it's something that we wanted to do much more to promote and understand and reflect on in terms of that maritime link that Hull has and really it's why Hull is how it is today and it's what we see in the streetscape and the buildings around us they're all maritime related there's key um you know important figures in Hull's history many of which related to its Hull, Hull its maritime past and it's about saying that and promoting that and celebrating it and this was what that pro- this project does it celebrates this really unique element of what makes Hull Hull and why it's relevant to the people living here today, but also the generations that have preceded, um, you know, our current generation, and what their life was like, and especially in terms of the fishing industry and you know, controversial bits like whaling, but also actually dockside workers and what their life was like here and why that's relevant, but also about looking forward. It's not all about looking back, and I think that's something that um, is important to <clears throat> to understand. Is it's also about where Hull's heading about our international connections, about the wind turbine industry that's developing here and that presence of Hull really in pushing um, Hull forward as a as a centre for um, renewable energy, which is something as a sort of new chapter in Hull's um, sort of history, really, um, and something that, again, is all part of that context of what makes Hull so special. And just touching on sort of the people and the volunteers, which are an amazing bunch themselves, like, you must have worked and met so many people sort of on this journey that have a bit of a like a, an affiliation with maritime history in Hull. Yeah, absolutely. Um, they're a really key element of the project. So we have lots of volunteers. Um, for example, you know, we have um, 
a group that have volunteered on the Arctic Corsair for years. Um, we're also growing our volunteer base. Um, so we've got our maritime tours that take place um, several times a week, and you can put that through our, our website. Um, and it's about upskilling people, giving them an opportunity to also tell the story of Hull's maritime past and, and what's relevant. So um, we have a target set for volunteering numbers with the National Two Heritage Fund, who are our major funder. Um, and it's something that we work, have a volunteer manager that actually promotes volunteering opportunities through the project. So yeah, absolutely crucial um, in celebrating those people that have been involved in the maritime industry um, but also gaining additional support for people to learn about that history and then tell the public about it. I guess we should probably mention um, if people want to volunteer or get involved how do they go about in doing so? The best place would be to go on our whole maritime website so literally put whole maritime into google it will come up Um, and then there's lots of there's a specific volunteering page on there that they can um, follow. They can also message us through social media. So we have a, um, a account on X and on Facebook as well. Okay, so I guess we'll, let's go through the different parts of the project, starting with the Maritime Museum, which um, obviously recently the, the scaffolding starting to come down, people can start to see it. Did you want to give us a little insight into the Maritime Museum? Yeah, the Maritime Museum is a jewel in the crown, really, of the project. It's a grade two star listed building. Um, it's a beautiful building both inside and out and it was originally built as a dock offices um, so it had this prominent location on a waterfront that was Queen's Dock which was right outside it which is now Queen's Gardens and then linking into um, the other dock network onto the Humber so it had a really prominent role um, in Hull's Maritime past. It was converted into a museum um, in the 60s and some of it was done tastefully other parts less so and it's something that we've worked with the building really to make the building shout about just how beautiful it is. I mean, there are some stunning spaces that unfortunately 1960s interventions, a lot of which had covered it up. Um, so it's got this amazing location on Queen Victoria square. Um, so extensive work is, has happened over the last well, nearly two years really of stripping the, um, edi- the original 1960s fixture and fittings out, revealing the building underneath, finding some of the problems that we, knew that we would come across with an an old building. You're always going to come across stuff that needs to be put right. Um, And now we're entering the sort of last six months of that phase of works where we've put the building and created a blank canvas then to fit out the museum exhibition spaces themselves. So early next year, we'll be handed back the building from um, Simpsons. Um, Really, all the rooms will be painted. There'll be a blank canvas ready to bring all of those um, exhibitions back in and, and start fitting them out so the the muse the museum itself has had like full rewire or a lot of the plaster works had to be taken off and redone um all three rotundas have had full refurbishment so they're in a really poor condition they've all been re-leaded actually interesting thing is the lead that's been used it's all the same lead that was on there it was taken off taken smelted down and brought back again so there's a lot of sustainable heritage skills that have been used as well um, and all the stonework on the outside's been cleaned. So that's what people have recently seen. The scaffolding's come down and the amazing stonework's been revealed from the cleaning. And we've had an incredible response on social media just about how beautiful the building looks now that it's been cleaned. And it really does look spectacular. So it's wonderful to see the scaffolding come down and, 
and people to see what work's actually taken place because I think it's it's been it gets wrapped and we can see it as a project team we get to see what's happening because we do regular inspections but it's wonderful that the public are now able to see really the amazing transformation in that facade of the building. It sort of really struck me when I walked past it having seen it covered for so long and then seeing it come down and the sun was shining and it just looks it's a really stunning building is it with loads of history. Yeah. Has it been anything like discovered or sort of newly learnt about the building as the work's been taking place? Any of these projects we do significant surveys beforehand so we had a really good idea of what we're going to find but there was interesting element there was a dumb waiter that would have gone from the boardroom down to the kitchens um, and it was the original one from when the building was built in the 1800s so um, that that was there we've had to strip it out and we're going to work out what we do to to have some of it displayed somewhere but it's yeah it's it's elements like that you that you don't expect to find um other bits things like um in the 60s we didn't know how much of the original architecture of the building had just been covered up with sort of you know timber or other bits had they been cut away and actually stripped away and we've been really pleased to find a lot of the original detailing still remains it was just boarded over and covered up so revealing some of that's been really special and we've made sure that that's now available for the public to see so when they come back they'll see much more of the original fabric and really intricate beautiful detailing that made this building so special people are able to see it much more clearly now than they have been able to Moving on from the Maritime Museum, we go behind it to Queen's Gardens, where lots of work is taking place. Um, do you want to give us a little insight into that? Yeah, significant works are happening in Queen's Gardens. It's a sister project, really, to Hull Maritime. Um, it's about celebrating, really, this amazing space that I think a lot of people would have no idea that it was once one of the biggest docks in the well, the biggest dock in the UK, if not you know Europe and potentially even the world at one stage, it was in a significant space of water and had a really important role in terms of um, shipping and ships coming in and out of trade coming to and from Hull. Um, so it's about celebrating that and actually telling that story, which isn't the case currently. I think very few people, probably newcomers to the city, would have a clue that it was once a dock. Um, and it's also about using the opportunity for this investment to put right some of the structural issues um, that we've experienced with the gardens. Um, it was filled in in the 30s. <clears throat> it had some refurbishment work quite significantly in the 60s and again hasn't had very much intervention since then. So some of the boundary walls were in very poor condition. So it's an opportunity to put that right. Um, so to make it secure for the future. Um, but also introduce interesting elements like bespoke artworks. We've got amazing artists that are involved in the whole Maritime project that are working across the sites to um, create beautiful, intricate, interesting pieces of artwork that are integrated within the landscape and within the Maritime Museum and to build, bring that sort of element of interest and, and uniqueness um, to the project. So it's also about linking that pedestrian link between the Maritime Museum through Queen's Gardens, along to the North End Shipyard, which is where the Arctic Corsair will be. That pedestrian link is absolutely key. And we need to continue that maritime story from coming out of the Maritime Museum, heading to the next tourist attraction. And whole uh, Queen's Gardens has this incredible maritime link that we need to tell um, the story of much more effectively. And Hull, uh, just going back to the arcs, obviously walking around Hull, particularly the city centre, you can see sort of its... Um, they are all around the streets, wherever you look on the floor, on the walls. Did you want to give a quick chat about um, the artists that have been involved and give them a shout out? 
Yeah, so Heinrich and Palmer um, did Ship of the Gods in for City of Culture in 2017. And we've worked with them and they do some amazing work in terms of using 3D scans of images and computer um, generating different pieces of artwork through using this um, that scan scanning technique. Um, so they've been into the Maritime Museum and they selected numerous objects to have scanned and then they're using those to create bespoke bits of artwork. So they're doing some film work and they're doing some still images that will go on interpretation panels along Queen's Gardens. So that's really interesting element and it's really nice to have a link with artists that were involved in 2017 and bringing them back and doing something more permanent um, within the museum. Um, and there's Cassian Dowlat Shahi, and she does a lot of um, public artwork in um, sort of uh, in hard landscaping. So she's had some of the Scrimshaw collection. We've got one of the world's largest Scrimshaw collections um, in Hull, and she's gone and had very detailed photography taken of those. They're then being translated into pieces of artwork along the amphitheatre-style steps that go into the gardens, um, which is also working on some ideas for the Peace Garden area as well and how we can integrate that area um, within the landscaping scheme and bring some maritime links to that that area as well. So, yeah, it's really beautiful. It's I'm really excited for the public to to see and to see what we've created, what has been created, and also how they actually add interest and unique elements into the landscape in which sometimes I think if we didn't do that it's another way of telling the maritime story in a different through a different media. So one of the other big parts of the maritime project is the Spurn Lightship which a lot of work's gone into it um, it's moved location um, what can you tell us about the sort of the current status of, of the lightship? Yeah so earlier in the year we brought the Spurn Lightship back into the marina um, and it got an amazing response. I mean, she looks absolutely fabulous. It really, the the best she's looked since she was built, and she's in very very good condition now, secure now for the next you know, hundred years. Really, she's wow. in great shape. Um, so you can see her on the side of the marina now. It's a temporary location. We'll be moving her once her bespoke um, wet berth has been created. So we're just about to start work on that now. Um, and they will be putting in some marine piles um, next to Murdoch Connection outside the Holiday Inn. And that's going to be a, a purpose-built wet berth for the Spurn Lightship. So um, it will be next year, we'll probably, well, actually potentially even at the end of this year, start next year, we'll be moving her into that permanent location. And then the museum fit-out will happen. Um, ready for her opening in spring next year. I imagine there must have been some serious challenges with working on the Spurn Lightship. Is there anything you'd like to talk about? Yeah, I think the the main problem was water ingress was so significant. So the hull itself, actually, when we had it shot blasted, was in much better condition than we were expecting, which was really brilliant. And it meant that a lot less intervention needed to happen on the actual, I suppose, the main hull structure of the ship. Um, But the water ingress from the deck was really bad um a lot of the it was through skylights and different elements of sort of glasswork that had failed and the water was was coming in and ships although they sit on water they don't like water in them um and so it was about putting that right and making her watertight again which preserves a ship and makes it you know the longevity then is significantly extended when you deal with that water ingress and so that's the, the the main element in terms of i suppose structural integrity of the ship 
Um, but it's also amazing to be able to provide new experiences. So those with mobility issues, you know, even in a wheelchair or um, that have difficulty with some of the really steep staircases in there, we're having um, a bespoke like AV room, which will have um, a video that shows you below deck. So if you can't get below deck, you can still have an experience above deck in a bespoke room that takes you through the history of the ship and what you would see below deck. That wasn't available before. So if you couldn't get down there, you just had no idea what you were seeing. And now a really amazing films being cre- uh, produced, which will be shown um, for, for those audiences that have those mobility issues. Also, um, access up into the tower itself has been created. So there's a ladder network that goes up into the actual where the where the light is itself. Um, so it won't be open all the time, but it's the type of thing we could do on Heritage Open Days and um, actually organise for people to be able to have access up into the tower, which is completely new. Never been, uh, nobody's ever been, and the public has been up there before. So yeah, great. Yeah, it sounds sounds like you know you're giving the, the public access to pretty much all areas of the yeah. ship, which no one's ever had before, which yeah. is which is really, really great. Yeah. One thing we haven't talked about so far is the South Blockhouse. So what, what can you tell us about that today? Yeah, South Blockhouse is a new project really to the maritime family in terms of it's recently received funding from National Highways and to develop a project there. So over last summer, we had an amazing community archaeology project and with over three and a half thousand volunteer hours um, into discovering another section of the Black South Block House that hadn't been excavated before. Um, so we have this amazing record that now working with Humberfield Archaeology to analyse the results of that. And then we're looking at how we can interpret above ground the um, the remains there. Um, things have changed over years in terms of archaeological remains. And a lot of people have asked us, you know, are you going to dig it out so people can see it? But actually the best way and the, and the more modern advice, up-to-date advice is to keep things as covered as you can because they're protected for the long run when they're underground and any of that covering protects them. Um, so what we want to do is interpret above ground what is below ground. And we can do that in lots of different ways. So we've got these amazing um, cage structures that have been created that give an idea of the scale and the you know the width and the mass of that building um, through doing that through landscaping interventions. Um, there's also a lot of um, now opportunity to use QR codes to have virtual reality experiences and really using this amazing tech that's developed over recent years um, that we can use from our mobile phones to bring that site alive. Um, alongside traditional in, um, interpretation panels. I think you do need some of the traditional elements, but we also want to explore how modern technology can be used to bring that site alive. So we've had virtual reality model created, and then you can actually stand on site and walk through the building using your phone to create really an impression of, of what that building was and why. And it's about trying to bring those like sights, smells, sounds, experience of day-to-day life of the South Block House alive. Um, and again, it has a really key maritime link. It's part of Henry VIII's fortifications of Hull. Speaking about sort of new discoveries in the Block House, is there anything that was unearthed or discovered that was new information to the team at Maritime? I think what's really interesting is um, how much of the original, um, like what would have been the floor covering was still there. Um, but the layers of... Um, history and archaeology the key thing is that we believe we found the original entrance it was always under question um, but they believe that from excavating this and it'll come out in the archaeology report but from 
talking to the archaeologists, they strongly believe that we found the original entrance, um, which is great. And also the mass of it, because it was a cloverleaf shape. So we found the top point of the cloverleaf plus the original entrance. And you can then see exactly the length of it was. And it's more like 40 metres in length. Um, some of the walls were up to four metres deep. Um, so it was a huge structure. It, had a, it would have had a massive imposing presence um, for the residents of Hull um, on that um, opposite bank of the river on the east bank of the river um, and for any ships sailing up into up the Humber um, it must have been an incredible sight to come across this huge um, gun emplacement really with portholes all around and um, with cannons pointing out of them it would have been a really imposing sight and it's really interesting to find you know even small coins I, mean, I know that you get this on all, all archaeological sites but I think when you find any element of a link to the past it's another part of the story. So, yeah, it's amazing. And But also things like it had a, a huge um, uh, service duct that's been taken through there at some point. We're not quite sure when, but again, that's been sort of taken through part of the site that was gone through some of the archaeology. And you wonder, well, why on earth would they put that straight through the middle of, a, <laughs> of, an archae- you know, of this archaeological remains? But it's happened at some point in the past. And again, this is what the archaeologists then, having done the dig, then go back to their desks and really analyse what it is that was found and why and, and try to put piece together those bits of that history. What an experience it'll be, though, for, for residents and the public, you know, being able to, to visit the site, as you say, get this sort of virtual immersive experience and really sort of yeah. almost like travel back in time and see the cannons and see how how people lived you know back in the day absolutely i mean it's a new tourist attraction for hull it's also important for those residents living in victoria dock who a lot of which use this area as a cut through past the deep and into the humber street as they walk into town um and at the minute it's a it's a, a car a coach park and be able to turn it into something more meaningful that tells this amazing story of what's under their feet um, yeah, it would be amazing and a, and a new addition to that sort of maritime family to tell that fascinating story. I guess we should talk about what's what's next for the maritime project um, and, you know, what's what may be coming up that the public or residents may be interested in in, in attending or seeing um, in the near future. Yeah, the, well, the Spurn Lightship is the wet dock works um, and the moving of the lightship into her final location there. Um, that's a key element of work. Um, the Arctic Corsair, the work that we're doing there, is really nearing completion. And so we're now working on the plans for um, bringing her back up the River Hull um, to a new home at the North End Shipyard. That's something that we're working on that will be taking place next year. So really, activity focuses in 2024 around the opening of the Spurnlight ship, plus the, um, the f- creating this bespoke dry berth for the Arctic Corsair and then finishing off the visitor centre for that to open as well. And then lots of work will be happening internally within the Maritime Museum itself. The objects will start moving back um, between dock office chambers and the museum itself. Um, So yeah, it's really, really exciting time for the project. It's incredibly busy. There's lots going on um, in terms of the sort of on-site works, Queen's Gardens will be running alongside and then people start to see works at the um, the South Block House as well. So it is a, it's an incredibly busy time, but lots and lots happening. And, and again, I encourage people to follow us on social media, visit our website, it's very regularly updated. 
and any opportunities for people wanting to get involved in the project are on social media and on the website and and we keep people as informed as we possibly can and there's lots of people opportunities for people to get engaged as much or as little as people want to well thanks for joining us jill that was really interesting and you know hopefully we can have you on again in the near future if we haven't put you off um, to <laughs> give another update really soon yeah anytime So a big thanks to Jill for joining us on the podcast today. If you'd like to find out more about the Hull Maritime Project, you can give them a follow on social media or visit their website, www.maritimehull.co.uk. If you enjoyed today's episode, you can subscribe to the podcast, follow us on social media, or visit our website for more information, which is www.hull.gov.uk. So thanks for tuning in, and we'll see you on the next episode of the Hull City Council podcast. 